0: Hello, Marvelites, you are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale October 26, 2022. I'm Ryan Panago aka Agent M. And I'm
1: Jasmine Estrada. Is this the last episode of Spooky Month for us? No, you know why? Ha, what? Who? Because the why? first week of November is going to be our last episode because Dia de los Muertos is that week. So Spooky Ooh. Month continues on for one more week.
0: You know what? We could go as long as we want.
1: You know what? Let's just do it till the end of the year.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we're going to go forever, all spooky stuff all the time, uh, at least for the next couple weeks. And we've got a lot to get through in this episode, a lot of great issues to talk about, because this is the official Marvel podcast of Marvel Comics. We run you through all the new comics that are on sale this week. We pick out three of them, give or take. Sometimes we pick more, but we're going with three this week uh, that are our personal favorites, although... We were, we were talking about a bunch more, to be honest. Um, we, we give you our picks, then we give out some awards to all the other comics. We tell you what collections are on sale, what comics are hitting Marvel Unlimited, both as uh, the issues that came out three months ago now hitting the service, and those that are hitting Marvel Unlimited's Infinity Comics line, the vertical scrolling comics you can only read on Marvel Unlimited. And on top of all that, we have a reading club. What's our reading club this week?
1: We are talking to current Ghost Rider artist, Corey Smith, about Ghost Rider Hellbent and Heavenbound by the amazing Jason Aaron.
0: It's the, among the first things he did for us, but comes out of the gate, just guns blazing, literally fully formed, amazing bearded Wunderkind that he is, Jason Insane.
1: Aaron. I'll tell you right now, the minute you start reading this, it's going to be very hard for you to put it down. I mean, I immediately went back. And finish the rest of the run. Because it's amazing. I've been
0: talking about this series. I know. For a long friggin' time. It is my favorite Ghost Rider story. Um, the new stuff is getting real good. Getting real up there. But this. Mm-hmm. You just. You can't touch this run to me. So good. So I'm excited for for everybody to hopefully give it a read over on Marvel Unlimited, we'll, we'll put up the issues and links and all that. It starts at Ghost Rider number 20 from 2008. Anyway, we'll get into that later, but now we got to get into our picks of the week. First up is a conclusion to the big event of the season, Axe Judgment Day. Anyway, this issue, Axe Judgment Day number 6, is written by Kieran Gillen, art by Valerio Schietti and Ivan Fiorelli with colors by Marte Gracia and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. There's a lot going on in this issue. We have, of course, the Avengers, the Eternals, the X-Men. We've got the Celestial Progenitor. We've got uh, a bunch of civilians who factor into this. We've got Eternals, um, like the big Hex versions of the Eternals, which actually play a really cool role in this. And there's a couple of key things that come out of this are the ways that mutants and the mutant circuit idea can be expanded and have been mm-hmm. expanded. They actually expand that in here in a new way, and Nightcrawler's like, "Well, there's one way we were thinking of doing it as a last resort." And then like they actually use that in here, uh, are yeah, like that that Nightcrawler that was a good one, right?
1: Perfect, that was a good one, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and then we also have some changes to resurrection. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say changes necessarily. Some um additions to the mutant resurrection protocols and ideas, which I think is cool. So. Coming out of this, we have uh, obviously changes to the Marvel sort of status quo with a big event like this, there are things that are gonna you know sort of have to go back, but a lot of things that change and and the universe moves forward and how this propels us forward and d- into different things. I'm trying to be very vague about yeah, the I was end gonna of say this. I know the the storyline being that there's a giant celestial that has judged the earth and all of its inhabitants, including mutants, eternals, avengers, humans, everybody. To be, uh, you know, not worthy. And we have the Axe trio of Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals saying, uh-uh, we don't believe you. We're going to fight to the last. And how they deal with that, how they go through this situation, that's that's the core of the story. So I really don't want to spoil anything. We get some beautiful art in here by uh, Valerio Schietti and Ivan Fiorelli sharing some of the duties here because this is this is a... Uh, a fairly large issue and a lot of friggin' ton of characters to get through. Cool stuff in here. If you're a Jean Grey fan, there's Jean Grey moments. Uh, of course, a couple little sinister beats throughout this. There are uh, important things that are happening for the Eternals throughout this. Some big, I guess they're the ones who have the biggest change. Although, they have big changes um in a lot of ways but the x-men with some updates to resurrection stuff that's some big changes
1: i mean it's it's also funny to me because it's like we're talking about these two big groups who've gone through a lot in the past couple of years and like yeah. meanwhile you have the avengers who are like cool we're good like it's like we're, we're gonna just like walk out on here you guys are done fighting cool 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 cool, cool. Yeah. like everyone still loves us i don't know about you guys but have fun
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um all
0: in all Tons of big things happen throughout this. I think Um, I'm looking forward to reading this series as a six issue series, but also as a sort of like finding interspersed beats throughout it in one read. So like an omnibus, if they if we find a way Mm -hmm. to like slot all the things in or on Marvel Unlimited, having a reading order that really like factors in all the different tie in issues that do incorporate like expansive looks at bigger battles or or missions or stuff like that because i think this does benefit from a lot of that so looking forward to that in due time but we still have we have axe judgment day omega coming real soon in november
1: yeah and that serves kind of like an epilogue for those who are unfamiliar with omega issues all right up next we have new mutants number 31 and It's written by Charlie Jane Anders with Alberto Albuquerque, with colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by BC's Travis Lanham. There's also a couple of short panels that are titled Young Sheila and Morgan by Rosteid and Ted Brandt, with colors by Tamara Bonvallon. And if you're not familiar with the new character, Escapade, she was introduced in Marvel's Voices Pride Number 1 earlier this year, and this essentially continues her story where she decides to go to Krakoa and join the new mutants. But while she's there, Emma Frost is trying to check in on her, trying to see, you know, what's her latest on her training. Uh, You know, she's trying to get a grip on her powers because she can't quite control them yet. She quickly learns that Escapade has joined what is called the Lost Club, which I think is pretty cool. Um, And it's a small team that's made up of Cerebella, Rainboy, Leo, Aang, Anul, and Cosmar. And like, they're very much the misfits here. I really like this new New Mutants team, and if you're not, if you haven't been reading New Mutants, this is a great place to jump in. It's almost like a not. It's like almost like a soft reset where it's like, okay, we have closed the chapter in our last couple of issues from the previous run, and this one uh, establishes the team, establishes all of the the different relationships between each member. Uh, there's some of the the backstory told on some of these, especially with characters like Sarabella. And they essentially embark on a new mission where Escapade is now part of the team, but also has to not only learn her how to use her powers, but she immediately gets thrown into the action where she's forced to quickly act on her feet. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. I really like where this is going, um, and I'm, I'm very excited to see how Emma Frost fits into it all once she gets her hands back on Escapade's training.
0: Yeah. All right, our third pick of the week is X-Men Legends number three. Um, I'm excited that we pick X-Men Legends. It's a cool series basically taking classic storylines and classic timeframes in Marvel Mutant History, the creators who helped put those together, and giving them chances to tell new stories in those timeframes. So, you know, we've seen Roy Thomas, we've seen Chris Claremont, various folks do those. Um, here in this issue, we get a long shot story mm-hmm. written by Ann who wrote the original Long Shot Limited series. Art by Javier Pina, who's been doing such great work on X Men and oh, yeah. so very different from original artist Arthur Adams, but still so damn good. I actually, I love the, the sort of darker vibe that Javier brings to this with great colors by Jim Campbell and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. I for sure thought we did a long shot. Reading club back in the day, but apparently we did not, which is crazy because it is a classic. It is uh, from the mid 80s. This weird, sort of trippy, sci fi ish mutant story about this character with uh, eight fingers, four on each hand, who comes from this place called the Mojo Verse. You get the introduction of Mojo, one of my favorite weirdo Marvel slash X Men villains. You get Longshot, who has sort of uh, luck powers and they and writes in this issue he said it's not luck it's good karma um mm-hmm. which is is a lot of fun but this issue is the the other series had Longshot going to earth and, and dealing with some stuff and this one takes place after that original limited series and has Longshot with fighting mojo and spiral also yeah. one of the best design characters she's so, so cool. cool
1: and javier Pena's um, like version is here is like I mean, it's nothing like different. It's just the way he draws it; those bold lines too on on the line work. It's just, oh, I love her.
0: His line work has this organic quality. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Alan Davis in some ways, where mm. Alan can draw or or Brian Hitch the way they draw musculature or flesh or you know any sort of body part. There's a way that it like it it feels and looks fleshy. And it's a Mm -hmm. weird thing to say, but it totally works. Um, But also he draws really cool uh, electronics and weird stuff. There's this trippy page where you're inside the like Mojo's headquarters and there's – I can't even really describe it. Um, and there's stuff hanging down. It really looks wild. It's a beautiful, beautiful issue. Uh, seeing Spiral do her dance in here, seeing Mojo go around. We get to see Wolverine and and uh, Kitty Pride in here. Remember, this is taking place a long time ago. She's she's still Kitty. I want to see Javier draw all the Mojo stuff. Uh, I'm yeah. I'll be honest. I'm here for Mojo. That's right. my number one thing oh. about yeah. all this. It's like Mojo Spiral, Spiral. Major Domo then Longshot, because Major Domo- Oh, i put
1: like Kitty, and then Lockheed, and then Longshot.
0: Anna Senti having originated a number of these characters, her just banter between Mojo, Major Domo, and Spiral is just truly perfect. It is so it's- funny, it's so biting, it's so mean, it's so catty, it is so very quick, There's there's quips and jokes and- one-liners and asides on every single page in various panels, sometimes multiple ones in every panel. They are all sniping at each other. They all kind of hate each other, but know that they all need each other. Major Domo is the best because he's like this de facto producer slash personal assistant. Yeah, he's a producer for Mojo, but also like a personal assistant. He's his like whipping boy and everything else. There's just uh, literally the last panel of this book is Mojo surrounded by popcorn. But I read this and I want a big thing of popcorn and to just oh, yeah. like eat it and just have like the best time.
1: It's so good. All right, that's it for our picks this week. Uh, but before we get to our fabulous fresh floppies, we have to talk about last
0: week's award. Yes, indeed. Last week's award was the Bear Nucks and the old Hellfire Humdinger, which came to us in Avengers number 61. Now, I want to say I appreciate that we have sort of built up a vibe uh, over the last, you know, a bunch of episodes where people expect us to pull from like an X book, like Mm -hmm. Lex Pendragon saying, uh, well, this makes sense to be Sebastian Shaw or Emma Frost. That doesn't sound like the way they talk still. I bet it's an X book. And even our winner, Karis Mm -hmm. Pollard at a Karis Pollard, who said totally unexpected. I assumed it would be in an X book, but it was in Avengers. And she found it first, which was great. And the quote is brought to us by a character I have been trying to scream into uh, being in more books. I've been trying to put that energy out into reality for years. And I feel, yeah, you're right. It is kind of working. Knuckles O'Shaughnessy, the, um, as described in this issue, dead end kid spirit of vengeance from 1924. Beautiful. In this issue, he's wearing his like newsboy cap, head on fire, holding a bat with nails sticking out of it and fighting alongside the iron fist of the era. It is so good. Another person who found the quote real quick this week was Logan, who sent us an email saying, I am loving the podcast every week. You make it hard to walk out of the comic shop with just my pull list. So thank you. When I heard the word Hellfire in this week's award name, my first thought was Ghost Rider. Then when you said a variant of Ghost Rider named Knuckles was in this week's Avengers, I knew exactly where to look. Didn't expect it to be in the beginning of the book, though. While I'm here, I'd like to shout out my local comic shop where I got this book, which is Superfly Comics and Games in Yellow Springs, Ohio. My stepdad took me there as a kid, and now I go there to fuel the addiction I got from him. Thanks for helping me know what comics to grab each week.
1: Well, I love then, that. Thanks for that email. It was good. Yeah. And I love hearing that comic shops are still around, like between generations. Yeah. That is something that is very rare these days. And I love that for you guys. Yeah. I think we
0: already had Ohio on, yes, the, we did. on the list. But it's a good to to bolster their
1: um their place on the uh, on the map. Yes. Yes. Um we have another email from Joe uh, and he says Dear Ryan and Jasmine, hope you're both doing well. I just wanted to say thanks for another awesome episode of Pull List. Hearing you both talk about all the fresh floppies that came out this week made me hurry out to my favorite comic shop, Pop Culture Comics, over in Overland Park, Kansas, and pick up my comics for the week, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and All Out Avengers. Uh, you inspired me to add the new Wakanda comic to my pile. I can't wait to read it because you made it sound really cool on your show. I also really enjoy hearing your Reading Club segment with Steve Orlando. It was really cool to get an insider's perspective on what it was like to bring about a big event comic series like The Darkhold. Plus, the series sounds awesome, and I've added it to my ever-growing to-read list. Join the club. It's, mine is forever growing, so I feel your pain, but also, I, I you're gonna have so many amazing things to read, I promise. Thank goodness for Marvel Unlimited, as you all do an amazing job of making All the incredible back issues of Marvel. Super accessible.
0: Thank you, Joe, for that email and uh, for always writing in and supporting these United States of Marvel's pull list.
1: He's our ambassador of the wheat state (laughs) of Kansas.
0: All right. um, Now it is time to get to this week's award. One thing I wanted to, to mention, I want to make sure everybody understands. We read every single comic. We look at all these. Jasmine collates some of the the most fun ones but then it's like a heated deliberation between the two of us like trying to find one that makes sense that is kind of short enough that is sometimes dumb enough that is funny enough that is ridiculous Mm -hmm. enough um but is also relatively easy to find for everyone out there there's a little art to this
1: i know some of you guys have been calling me out and asking for a harder one and like look we can get very difficult and minute here and but Rather than doing that, I've decided to kind of just, you know, make it accessible for everybody because there have been a few times where it's been like two words and I'm like, no, that's not fair. That is way too difficult to find in 20 some books. So that said, this week's is three words. (laughs) What is it? The three magic words for this week's award name is the Farts Are Magic. And that's the award we'll be giving out today. The Farts
0: Are Magic Award. Of course, if you find this quote... Screen cap it and tweet it to agentm and at jasmiest with hashtag pull List or email us at pulllistmarvel.com. If you're among the first, keep your DMs open and keep your emails ready. I will hit you back with something cool, cool, cool.
1: Yeah. All right, let's get into our fabulous fresh floppies this week. Ryan, you want to start us off?
0: All right, we've got amazing Spider-Man number 12 out this week. Another book I uh, look, I love this series. I think it's doing um killer killer work and this is a big one. Hobgoblin, there's revelations, there's information, there's like deepening uh, mysteries, there's big action. There's just John Romita Jr. drawing Hobgoblin basically spearing Spider-Man in the back is
1: never going to get old. I had to look at that panel multiple times cuz I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" It's so nuts
0: it rules this is a great issue and i'm gonna give my farts are magic award to just the hobgoblin masks i love the way there's one sh- shot of spidey like pulling at the mask yeah and you're reminded that it is a like this really cool
1: gnarly mask yeah all right next up we have iron cat number five this is the last issue of this mini series and like you know we've been talking about this book non-stop between jed mckay's work on black hat and this like Cannot recommend it enough. I adored this book. It's such a fun, interesting take on multiple different characters, both Iron Man and Black Hat. But I'm going to give my Farts Are Magic award to the friendship at the center of this book, because one, we cannot have this book without these two frenemies, I guess. But also like the resolution here is something that we couldn't have without both of them. Uh, They both are master thieves. They're both master tricksters. And what ends up happening in this book is very telling about the way that they work, and who's a better thief, essentially, which I thought was really cool.
0: All right, we've got the final issue of Mech Strike Monster Hunters, issue number five, out this week, and it's the big knockdown, drag-out fight with super kaiju doom with all the evil, evil powers. Well, I'm going to give my Farts Are Magic Award to giant-sized kaiju Groot, and the fact that writer Christos Gage ties all this in to Groot's original first appearance in Marvel so Comics- cool. Back before Fantastic Four number one when he first appeared in uh, Tales to Astonish number 13. Just delightful.
1: Beautiful. All right. Next up, we have Moon Knight annual number one, which is the continuation to the short story that was in the Crypt of Shadows number one that came out last week. Um, The thing that I love about what Jed's been doing on this book is that he's been building out this little pocket of New York City that Moon Knight has been living in. And within the past couple of issues, he slowly started to like bring in some of the things that like make Moon Knight Moon Knight. Some of the like reoccurring characters are returning. Some of his personalities are coming back and I will give my farts are magic award to the whole team on this book because not only have they been telling this amazing tale, but this one shot issue is such a great introduction to Moon Knight as a character and the world of Moon Knight. And if if you haven't been reading, this is a great entry point for you. It's a great entry point for Werewolf by night and the street level world of Marvel.
0: All right, on to Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 25. Some big movement in here for the crew trying to rescue Dr. Aphra from some big bad stuff that's going on. But I'm going to give my Farts Are Magic Award to the just the, the sweeties, the murder droids, Triple Zero and BT-1. They're in uh, vacation wear at part of this issue. With, like with BT-1, the little Astrobeck wearing a like a little hat. I just love it. I love it so much. I'm so glad they're back.
1: All right, next up we have Strange Number 7, which is another Jed McKay joint. And this is the first issue in the new arc. Uh, last issue we learned that I'm going to spoil something, so if you're not caught up on Strange, uh, I would skip ahead a couple of minutes. But Strange is back. He is the essentially the Sorcerer Supreme for death, and he is fighting against Clea, but he is a servant. He can't lead death. He can't just lose um the fight against Clea like he has to fight her uh, but the thing that i'm fascinated by and that, like that i loved about the first arc is going to continue on as we learn in this story um is the the villain or the the manifestations that are happening the revenant who has been resurrecting all these like dead marvel heroes and i love it because we get to see some more of the obscure characters who we haven't seen in years so in this issue we get the continuation of the battle against black Goliath who's been dead since Civil War which is wild to me um I love this character and bring back
0: Bill Foster bring back (laughs) Bill Foster
1: so I'm I'm very excited to see who will come up and as we learn in this issue doesn't seem like it's going to be the last of them so but for this particular issue I got to give my Farts Are Magic award to Bill Foster so very excited
0: all right, we've got the first issue of the new Strange Academy series, Strange Academy Finals, number yeah. one. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give a special Farts Are Magic award to the variant cover by Dustin Weaver. He Dustin does this variant cover of Doyle Dormammu, one of the main characters in the, the title, in the style of the 90s Marvel trading cards, the first series. I'm so upset I don't own this card as an actual card to go in my binder with all my other cards. It's so good. It's so perfect. Also, Dustin Weaver can do no wrong in my eyes. He's truly, truly something special. But this one is great. If you've never read Strange Academy, you can dive in right with this issue. You get a good uh, catch-up pretty quickly. Um, But there's uh, a whole lot of going on in here. We're we're setting up the new status quo for all the kids. The big rifts that have happened between all the, the different students, the faculty, things going on. Um, So there's there's a lot of big energy and it feels like even though we've been developing a lot of stuff it's building to something even bigger throughout all this. Uh but I will give my farts our magic award to uh where half of the students are currently living because I think it's a cool place for them to go and what's going on and and really situate them in uh in a in a new locale. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Um, I also want to give a Farts Are Magic award to that Scarlet Witch variant cover by Rico, uh, which is a variant cover on over at Unknown Comics, which I'm obsessed about. All right, next up we have Thunderbolts number three, and this book just keeps getting funnier and funnier, and just so wild and unexpected, and I love it. Not only do we have a cast of characters who have never really worked together, but each issue just adds more layers to their, their dynamics. Um, not only that, but we're, they're also having to deal with, you know, working as essentially like a police force for New York City. It doesn't get any crazier than in this issue when they fight a bunch of escaped primates from the zoo.
0: These are classic Fantastic Four villains: the Red are Ghost they? and the Super Apes.
1: Oh yeah! I did not know this, but what? one of them can can transform and like shapeshift, and
0: yeah, the Super Apes, bro. They're they're I, the freaking best.
1: They're I so weird. To, I need to read this because they're nuts. I'm gonna give my Farts Are Magic award to the stuff that's going on with America. Like the thing I love about America is she's always been very gung ho. She's the person who punches first and asks questions later. And in this issue, that's getting really put to the test. And I think one of the the fun things here is it's tied directly to the Defender series that's going on as well at this time. But it's a good time to be an America fan.
0: Heck yeah. Also in that the Super Apes are, I believe, celebrating their 60th anniversary next year (gasps) because they first appeared in Fantastic Four number 13. Love the Super Apes. All right, I also love big Kaiju action like we get in Ultraman The Mystery of Ultra 7 number 3. I'm going to give my farts our magic for just the like the tag team battle royale that happens here between two Kaiju and two Ultras and then the Ultras go at it with each other. You got Ultraman and Ultra 7, um they're brothers and they're just ah, fighting and all kinds of crazy stuff is going on. It looks awesome. It's a big knockdown drag out Kaiju fight. That's this is what I was here for. I'm into it.
1: All right, next up, this could have been a pick of the week for me. Um, It's variance number four. There are four variants that we know of of Jessica Jones in this world right now. Three of them are with Jessica currently, and then we have one that Luke Cage encountered in the elevator. But one of the new variants that we get introduced to is one that I've been waiting for for a while, Uh, and and she's going to get my Farts Are Magic Award. It's Nitrous, who is one of probably the, like, I think she's only really made one appearance. It was very much like a callback to Jessica Jones history. Like, I don't think she even had a complete story. It was one of those where she talked about trying to go dark. And I've been waiting for her to come up in here. And when we get to meet her, the confrontation is just amazing between Jessica and her because, of course, Nitrous is one who lurks in shadows. So she didn't make herself known right away. So curious to see how that plays out. Pick it up this week. Mm.
0: We'll find out. We've got Venom number 12 out this week. There's a a whole bunch of big stuff that's been going on in the Venom books. This is a big moment for Dylan Brock in this. But I'm going to give my Farts Are Magic award to the best symbiote, Sleeper, who is sometimes a cat, sometimes a sneaky, sneaky fighter. Just so ferocious, so badass, so cool. Great design. I love Sleeper so much.
1: Speaking of Sleeper, there's another character named Sleeper this week in George R.R. Martin's Wild Cards, Drawing of Cards, issue number four, which is the last issue of this miniseries that concludes the adaptation to the character's story. Like, I highly recommend you go back and read all four issues because the thing I love about this series is that it creeps up on you. Like, you, you don't really quite know what's going on unless... If you're, if you're unfamiliar with this world like I was, and we're starting to learn that there's a dynamic here with our main character who is slowly starting to undergo a second sort of mutation here. And it is horrifying in this issue. And for that, I'm going to give my Farts our Magic Award to Anid Balam because part of this transformation it involves the skin peeling off of a, one of our characters. And it is nasty seeing him just like peel off chunks of his face.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, we've got Wolverine number 26 this week, which is the start of a new story arc, which has a great title called The Beast Agenda, um, which feels like we've been building to really nasty stuff with Beast here for a while. And you get Benjamin Percy writing this. Um, I love, love, love the main cover by Linneal Francis Yu. It looks like a movie poster. Like, you got Wolverine, you got um, a whole bunch of other characters in there. It just looks really, really rad. Uh, I will give, though, my Farts Are Magic award to The Merchant, the villain in this issue. Who, I hate uh, we him. We saw him previously in the storyline with Maverick and Deadpool and, and, and all kinds of chaos and stuff going on uh, a couple issues back. Here, he's even more nefarious and sinister and just gross. enjoyably hateable. You know what I huh. mean?
1: No, I hate him so much. How dare him? I
0: know. There's a lot of cool stuff. You'll you'll dig through this and, and try to pick out all the different characters. Um, but yeah, check it out.
1: All right. Last book this week could have easily been a pick of the week. Next up, we have Exterminators number two. And if you thought the first issue was ridiculous, second issue is even wilder. We start to uncover some of the story behind Dazzler's uh, ex-boyfriend, who is a vampire, and is pretty much putting on a Murder World-esque type show for other vampires as he has these four girls pretty much running through a glass maze and fighting to the death for their enjoyment. Out of the four girls, I got to give my farts are magic award to Laura Kinney, AKA Wolverine, because as soon as the girls all meet up and they realize that they're in a glass maze, one of the nastiest things happens to Wolverine, which is like the glass comes up from the ground and slices her arm off and she's just like and Dowser's like oh my god let me put it in a tourniquet and she's just like no it's fine it'll grow back i love her so much she's just like it just it's fine my arm is in another room now i can see it over there but yeah i can just continue fighting with one arm it's not a big deal stop it <laughs> So
0: good. Um. All right. We got to get into the collections on sale this week. There's a lot of friggin' collections on sale. There's a bunch of great omnibuses. I was surprised to see Ultimate X-Men omnibus in there, which is really cool. The um, Fantastic Four by John Byrne omnibus is rad. My favorite one there, though, is the Miracle Man omnibus, which covers the first three trades and some ancillary stories worth of stuff.
1: I was talking to Super 7-5 on Twitter because they reached out to me asking, um you know what i read in order to prepare for the new miracle man book and i listed it all out there are four different trades that you can pick up right now but if you can just squeeze three of those into one omnibus that's going to save you multiple trips to your comic shop but also you'll probably get a better price than having to pick up each one of these individually but you get them all contained in one book highly recommend so good these are the ones by the original writer
0: And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff, including Strange Academy, the First Class Collection, Hellions by Zeb Wells, and so much more. You can get that whole list on Marvel.com. Jasmine, what Infinity Comics are out this week?
1: We have so many Infinity Comics coming up. We have X-Men Unlimited, number 58, Avengers Unlimited, number 17, Spider-Verse, number 21, Strange Tales Ghost Rider Infinity Comic number 1, Love Unlimited X Loves of Wolverine number 21, Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal number 7, and I got to give a special shout out to the Marvel Voices Nova Infinity Comic because last week's issue number 21 came out and it's a, it's a book that's written by Terry Blass with art by Bruno Oliveira and Terry tweeted out about this issue last week. He talked about how my essay from Marvel's Voices Pride collection inspired the story that viv goes on in this issue or in the previous issue and the journey that they're going on in, in this series and that made my day did not see that coming thank you so much terry uh, i'm glad that the that essay spoke to you and i'm excited to see where you take viv and nova yeah 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 um
0: also on marvel limited this week oh just bucket ton of great issues Axe Judgment Day number 1 Alien Annual number 1 Avengers number 58 uh Defenders Beyond number 1 a book that we have talked vociferously about we love love Defenders Beyond now you can get up in that Star Wars number 25 which was a hell of an issue
1: She-Hulk number 5 we gushed over this issue mm-hmm. when it came out
0: mm-hmm. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, number one, and many, many more. There's a ton of books out this week on Marvel Unlimited, so definitely check all those out. And there's about 17 issues of Power Man and Iron Fist um, from the end of that series that are being added to Marvel Unlimited, so a bounty for all of you. Enjoy.
1: Those issues of Power Man and Iron Fist are written by Jim Owsley, aka Christopher Priest, and it's one of his first pieces of work at Marvel, so exciting stuff going on over there very very cool
0: while you're checking all that out make sure you are also reading ghost rider issues 20 through 25 from the 2008 run because jasmine why because
1: so we are talking to Corey smith about ghost rider hellbent and Heavenbound. it's an amazing story i love this arc so much i love this run let's get into it <laughs>
0: Jasmine, put on your fiery assless chaps because we are hell bent and heaven bound <laughs> with our guest this week, Corey Smith, to talk about some freaking Ghost Rider. Hello, Corey.
2: Hey, how are you guys?
0: Good, good. Thanks for joining us, Corey. This is awesome. I'm glad that you brought this to us, Corey, because this is one of my favorite runs of. Marvel, like Jason Aaron's, you know, overall story on Ghost Rider. And I was triply glad because I believe Jasmine, this is your first time reading this through.
1: Yeah. I mean, you I think you sent it to me. You sent me like the first three trades and you were like, how have you not read this? Like here, read through it. And I was like, "Okay, but like like Corey, you can see my giant like library of comics. I'm like, I still have a lot to get through. So like the fact that you picked this. Just like bumped it up to the top of my like to read list, and I'm so happy because yep. I devoured it last night.
2: It's it's awesome. Did you read the the whole run or just the just initial story arc?
1: I finished this story arc, and then I started reading the first couple of issues of the next.
2: Yeah, that's, arc. I, so that's I, I was only going to do this this the story arc, but then I just kept going after that. It's so hard not to. It's it's a great book.
0: It's tight too because it's like the full run is probably like twenty one, twenty two issues, something like mm-hmm. that. So it's. You know, in in the scope of things, it's manageable when you've got Jason, who's wrapping up five years of Avengers comics and did, I don't know, seven
1: years of Thor. Thor. This is like a a little blip. Can you tell us like one, like I'm curious why you picked this one. Where did this fall in your like history with comics? Like, were you picking this up at the shop? Did you come to it later?
2: Yeah, I picked this one up at the shop and I even pulled out all my single issues for this. Um, So it was way back when I was still like deep into, you know, like a Wednesday warrior, like really buying. Yeah buying tons of comics every week um i don't do it as much anymore now that i make them for a living which is you know kind of a bummer but uh it's cool to dig this stuff out because it brings back a lot of cool memories
1: like how old were you when this was coming or like where were you in your career oh
2: this specific run like so this is like issue 20 of a run that started in 2006 so this this was like what 2008 then probably when this came out Mm -hmm. i'd always loved comics and always wanted to draw them i went to the joe cuba school in jersey And when I graduated from there, I didn't actually start working in comics yet. I I got a job at a uh, design and art company in the city called Moda Design in New York, doing video game packaging and, you know, kids books and stuff like that. Everything sort of like on the periphery of of comics, like commercial art type stuff. And uh, I had always wanted to get into comics. And this came along at the time, like when I was working this day job and then doing comics at night and sort of building a portfolio so that when when that day job fell apart a couple of years later I was able to jump right into comics. So this was like the stuff that I was reading that was like really getting me inspired to to really make a a you know a real leap into into comic work. That's awesome.
0: Um all right, let's get into some factual stuff and sort of situate this. So, Jason's Great. first Wolverine story, there's a one from like 2002, but then like he has one in 2007 and then literally coming out the same day Rider number 20 and Wolverine 62, the first parts of oh, Hellbent wow. and Heavenbound and Get Mystique. They hit the they hit the comic store the same time, February 13th, 2008, which is whew, like that. That's wild. That's a hell of a pretty. Do you those imagine his... just walking out
1: with both those books and like not knowing what you're getting yourself into? Yeah.
0: Those are his third it... and fourth comics for Marvel. Wow. That's like. That's that's how he comes out of the gate. It's great. It's so much fun. Um, but yeah, Baby so Jason. that happens at this time. Also, over at Marvel, we're in like Ultimates three is going on. We're like just after World War Hulk. X Force number one, which has uh, which is a rad series. The one it's got uh, Clayton Crane art. Yeah. that series mm-hmm. is just kicking off this month. We've got Marvel Zombies two is going on. New Avengers is issue 38, so we're getting close. We're, like, marching to Secret Invasion, which will hit that summer. So we're getting, like, Skrull stuff in various places and doing little things there. And uh, Mark Miller and and Brian Hitch are kicking off their run on Fantastic Four at that point. So there's there's a lot of interesting stuff happening, like, all across Marvel. It's an interesting, also, time capsule, looking at some of, like, the non-superhero stuff coming out at that point. We've got Dead of Night featuring Man-Thing which is a max book coming out that point. We have a couple of max titles. There's like zombie Simon Garth. There's um, some other stuff that 12 is going on. We've got terror Inc. The max book there. We're publishing um, kick-ass. We're publishing criminal. We're publishing Anita Blake. Um, I remember this time period. Very, very clearly of like all the various stuff that we were doing and seeing what worked, and also like great kids stuff. I, I, Always like to stress, anybody who asks me for you know stuff for younger readers, at this point, during this time, we were doing Marvel Adventures and Marvel Age mm-hmm. comics. Um, so Marvel Adventures, Iron Man and Spider-Man, Avengers, two-in-one, they're so good for younger readers. If you can find those digests, um, I think we, we printed them a ton in the late 2000s. Um, they're really great. So a lot of cool stuff going on. Now, we mentioned this Ghostwriter story written by Jason Aaron. Art in these issues by Roland Boshi and Taneng Huat, colors by Dan Brown and Jose Villarubia, and then letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I like the Roland boshi Taneng Huat combo here because Mm -hmm. this book does not look like anything else. Like Mm -mm. you have, you know, it's like three or four issues, and then two issues
1: really gets us into the storyline. Let's talk some Ghostwriter because I because I I want to get into this book because. It's just fantastic, and I, I think we could we could all nerd out about it for like an hour. So we're talking about Ghost Rider, Hellbent and Heaven Bound, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Roland Boshi and Tengen Huat, colors by Dan Brown and Jose Villarubia, and letters by VCs Joe Caramania. So if you're not familiar with Ghost Rider, all you really need to know is that he's cursed by the spirit of the vengeance, and it's because of that curse that he's lost everything from his family to his soul to his entire life. Um, and... It's in these first couple of issues that we learn who is responsible for giving him the spirit of vengeance, and we learn that it's Zadkiel. So as the story progresses, it's him trying to track down Zadkiel. He's hunting him down, trying to seek revenge. But while he's out seeking answers, there is a mysterious shadowy figure that is kind of following him around, and we're not quite sure who he is. He's always a step ahead of him. And then as the story progresses, we learn that it's Danny Ketch, the other ghostwriter, and he's actually working with Zadkill. So there's a lot of tension there. I mean, they are brothers, so learning that your brother is working with the bad guy is never fun, but that's what the story pretty much is. And then as we progress through uh, the rest of Jason Aaron's run, which we're not necessarily going to talk about here in detail, but we... Learn that they're going to work together to take down Zadkiel. We learn that Zadkiel is pretty much betraying Danny Ketch. Let's talk about the first couple of issues. So I think one of the interesting things about this run is it starts in the middle, like you said, Corey. It starts with issue number twenty after nineteen issues of a different creative team, and this team is pretty much just like, all right, you guys get to pick up where they left off. And like I actually read the the run before this just to kind of catch up on it by Daniel Way and. It is like night and day how Jason, Aaron, and co. like just transformed this book. It is wild.
2: Yeah. It's, it's almost like they ended that last volume with, um, with Johnny finding out that Zadkiel is the, the one responsible for you know, everything he's been through. It feels like this team, they want to use that, but also mm-hmm. want to do their own thing while that's going on in the background. Uh, which I which I really love. I didn't read that previous run, but this is so Grindhouse like in a way, like yes. so uniquely like a seventies like crime exploitation. It's just it so perfectly fits in that vein that I feel like it, it's so unique.
0: Definitely, yeah. The um the last page of issue twenty is like it says next issue and with that grindhouse feel it's the title it says machine gun nurses a go-go or (laughs) a montana mountain murder mystery starring deputy kowalski you get that feeling from every bit of it
2: i think all the the final pages have something like that like a like a tease for the next issue but it has like two really wacky titles Yeah, yeah issue 21 here it is Next issue, Death Race on Ghost Cannibal Highway or Cycle Nurses, Kill, Kill, Kill.
1: Yeah, love it. So I love good. it. So good. And like the thing I like about this run too is that like, yeah, it is a story that centers around Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider. But the other thing, like you guys have both mentioned, like the nurses and the officers like are very much real people in this world that are also dealing with it. Yeah. And I thought that that was like a fascinating way to weave in all of these different narratives. And like the different aspects of like order, but they're all doing it in a different way or like they're doing it in a way that they think is the right way to do it. Like whether that means you're a religious leader or follower and you're following whatever your book tells you to do or whatever your, your religion tells you to do or whether you're just trying to like bring justice because that's it's just very like multifaceted where it's like it's not as, as simple as you think it is. And he just keeps creating all these layers. And when they combine, it's just so like delicious
2: there's all these like different factions in this first storyline and they all have their like devotions to different things. They all come together in a really fiery way towards the end.
0: I love this because, you know, having known Jason now for, all right, when did this come out? 2008. So 15 years and watching his work, Jason comes in and, and he's formed and, and very thoughtful about like his perspective from the get go. He's like, I've got things to say about God and religion, and I have a yep. I have so- stories I want to tell, and I'm getting them out immediately. And so, like this book opens with a confessional in a church, mm-hmm. and a ghostwriter like getting angry and 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 yelling at the or Johnny turns into ghostwriter, and he you know blows up in the church, and um, the the priest runs out, and there's fire and brimstone, and it's like you, he's he's on this and it'll come that that sort of vibe about religion or gods comes in through his work repeatedly. You know, all the time he's got a book called The God Damned, which is, you know, like that's that's just part of his vibe, the stuff he's told about god's with gore or stuff that he's doing with Mephisto and hell and and he he finds great ways to tell superhero stories around this stuff, but I think it's it's also super cool that he's got a perspective and he brings that to the page. And he allows it to to come through while also making really entertaining, absolutely
1: bananas comics with them. Yeah. To add to that too, I yeah. think the thing that keeps you wanting to read is that he never gives you the answers. Like he just poses all of these questions, like all these philosophical questions throughout the book. And you're like, yeah, as we get to issue number 23, I think it's my favorite one where Johnny is in a solitary confinement room and then he's talking to the warden and he was just like. You know how many people God kills in the Bible? Millions. And then he's like, and the devil? What do you think his body count comes down to? Ten. Who do you think we should be more scared of? And I'm just like, damn, like chills. Like,
2: <laughs> I I love stories with like very religious tones like this because I think a lot of times it's personal for the writer. I think a lot of like, you know, especially this. I mean, with Jason, like Ryan just said, we've seen these kind of themes pop up in so much of his work, and the the beginning of the book just immediately tells you you know that this is firmly rooted in like the you know the christian mythology and like it's, it's yeah like uh you know is it like that version of, of heaven and hell and um and you know that he's doing that specifically because like you said he has something to say about it i always find that stuff really interesting
0: I just find Jason's perspective on all this stuff always fascinating. Whether or not you agree with him or or like have that same level of knowledge and and perspective, doesn't matter. He's gonna tell you an entertaining story, come up with wild yeah. characters. Like in this first issue, we've got this this like group of nurses. Um, oh God, not best. even even before that, where Johnny's on the road and the towns that he's gonna to drive to, New Beulah, Montana, and Bucksnort, Idaho. <laughs> like there's a world building that happens so subtly and simply in that. And then you get like weirdos on the road and different things. And then he gets to this um, hospital and his Johnny is also just completely out of control because he's in this hospital. He's threatening so nurses. Unhinged. Yeah. He's unhinged, like you say, Jasmine. And, and he just like burns the nun and he's just, like, or he thinks about burning the nun and then he like, comes oh, I love that fire and brimstone everywhere. I there's no ramp up. It is a hundred miles an hour.
1: hmm. I think one of the things that you brought up, too, with like Johnny being so unhinged is like sometimes there are moments in this in this arc where you have to like realize, oh, yeah, like Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze are two different people. But then at other times you're like, are they like it makes you question who's controlling what at different times and then there are moments where like jason brings that to a halt and he tells you oh this is ghost Rider doing this or this is johnny doing this and it as he does that it makes you question as you continue reading like who's who's actually in charge here who's actually trying to get vengeance because ultimately the story comes down to johnny trying to get vengeance on uh Zadkiel because he's the one responsible for doing everything for, to him but he's using the ghost Rider to do it so it's like hmm
2: yeah, I think Ghost Rider has been handled like a few different ways over the years where like sometimes it's it's firmly Johnny uh, and other times it's it's like the spirit or Zaretha. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And this one's very clearly like Johnny using the spirit to get his his vengeance.
0: I think it also coloring on these pages uh, by Dan Brown, it really works because the, the town has a muted feel to it in a lot of ways so that when Ghost Rider's flames erupt you get that pop you you know when when you are in like the forest scenes and some of the others those pop there and then there's very specific pages or panels where he'll throw in like a bright neon for a really great effect that it's something that really catches your eye because you've been seeing sort of like this sort of ethereal almost like nondescript time in town you get something else that goes out there but Yeah, Dan's Dan's coloring of of the flames and the Ghost Rider, I think, really stands out throughout this story.
2: I also noticed like so Roland's art is is pretty open for the most part. So it gives Dan the opportunity to really use a lot of to, to, you know, fill in a lot of space with color. And in a lot of cases, he uses like a texture, uh, which kind of, I think, elevates that grindhouse sort of exploitation. You know, it feels like like a grainy film kind of in a way. It really especially, does. Especially when Ghost Rider pops up. like that. It really, really looks cool.
1: So we're talking about Jason Aaron's Ghost Rider run with art by Roland Boshi, um, as well as Tan Eng Huat. But you are the artist on the current Ghost Rider run alongside Benjamin Percy. Was there anything that you kind of took from previous runs, whether it's Jason and Roland's book or others, uh, into account when you were working on yours? Was there anything that influenced it?
2: Well... Yeah, this this actually was one, which is why I didn't look at this at all. This was like the the last uh, the real Ghost Rider run that I think I was uh, really reading, um, so I knew that this was gonna be at the forefront of my mind. So I specifically didn't look at any of this, uh, and I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't because I feel like it really would have influenced me because some of this stuff is just too cool to like. the The bike here is just it's just it's got this like rib cage up at the front, like it's, it's looks like fingers like coming up like looping around the. The engine, it just looks so cool. But I didn't look at any of this stuff. Um, I looked at uh, some of the Javier Javier Saltares and um, some of the the stuff from the 90s I looked at a lot. Uh, My editor, Darren Shan, sent over uh, a handful of different versions of of Ghost Rider on the bike from over the years to to pull inspiration from. Um, So I kind of took a little bit of everything. For Ghost Rider himself, uh, we wanted him to be... A little different in this volume, like kind of like a bigger, almost like a Hulk. Not like not that big, but like menacing, like physically. Because he's a lot of times he's a little smaller and, and wiry, you know, like to sort of represent the the skeleton or the bones or whatever. I, I feel like a lot of artists take it in that direction, and we wanted to go a little different with this one. So he's he's bigger, he's bulkier. He's got like a, a huge belt of chains around his waist that is just it's it's massive.
1: Well, I just opened up issue number seven, and that's the one where we get him just, like, in the mirror, standing in front of the mirror, like, looking at himself, and you see that full, like, just layer of chains, and I'm like, that looks so cool. It just
2: gives him weight, you know? It makes him yeah. want him to be, like, really imposing and, like, frightening to demons, you know, to really pump up the the fear level of the Ghost Rider.
1: Yeah, you didn't hold back when you were designing the villain that's introduced in, in the last issue, either. We need to talk about that oh, before we so. let you go. Oh, st- because Exhaust is easily one of the coolest villains I've ever oh, seen. Oh,
2: awesome! Thank you. He's he's awesome. I'm I'm really excited for people to meet Exhaust. The way that he was described to me first was that he's sort of like the Ghost Rider's uh, reverse Flash, and I like mm-hmm. that sounded really really cool. I don't know how much we can get into it because I don't want to spoil anything. He's the thing that's been feeding off of Johnny and Ghost Rider for you know since the beginning of the series. Johnny has had uh, the scar in the back of his head. Um, from an accident that he vaguely remembers there's been this demon um, leeching off of him unbeknownst to him and the ghost rider and they're finally free of him but he's out in the world now and he's going to cause some real chaos
0: i gotta say i hate that scar on his head it's so oh my gross God. and so upsetting i think it, you did a great job with it but like every time it would show up and then their eye pop i would be like I, this unsettles me so much but with Seven, there's a lot of great pages in this one. they like the page of Johnny and he's like in Seven, whereas you see him as the king. Like, that's really cool. There's some great stuff here. But that first shot you give us, that big page of Blackheart, it was gnarly, man. I love Blackheart. That's one of my favorite sort of villain designs. I grew up reading um, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Wolverine, Spirits of Vengeance. Over yeah. and over and over again. Howard, I think it's Howard yeah. Mackey, but John Romita Jr. I've read that. I have my first print copy somewhere on my shelf because I read it over and over and over as a kid, and that has Blackheart in it. And it's it, man, it's gnarly as hell. So I'm I'm also a great. sucker
2: for Blackheart. That's Blackheart drawn by John Romita Jr. Right? Ugh. Is that yeah. that's the best Blackheart? Like nobody nobody's ever touched John Romita Jr.'s Blackheart. I don't know what it is.
0: Getting back to our reading club stuff by. There's a, I think the third issue, issue 22, ends uh, with this great shot of f- all the like the main parties of this opening salvo, yeah. sort of uh, literally about to converge uh, at a like a main street cross section. A uh, ghostwriter and the nurses and then the the serial killer, the cannibal dude, like it, everything is coming together. And then issue 23 is just the like the immediate build up, the crash and the fallout. And it's wild. There's some incredible beats in here. Like the shot that uh Roland draws of the crash is wild. And uh, like Ghost Rider coming up, and then there's this big splash page with has the um the title of the issue and the credits page, and it's Ghost Rider head on going, and there's a bus and there's all this stuff. It's man, that is a hell of an issue. 23, real good.
2: There's so much energy in all this art. Like, this stuff is just so, just so kinetic, you know?
1: And also just, like, delicate. Like, in in terms of storytelling, like, when you're talking about that scene, that crash, like, Ghost Rider, like, saws through the bus. Like, in half. And in that moment, in that split second, like, sees one of the nurses that we've been, you know, following for a while, but also leaves the boy who he's been trying to, like, save in the bus. And it's just, like, he comes out of it going... What happened to that guy? Like, where'd he go? And it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's in that bus you just, like, sawed in half with your with your flaming motorcycle. I thought that was such a clever way to bring those stories together in a way that he didn't have to do.
2: I love how this all comes together. I love any stories where there are, like, all these sort of dangling plot lines or characters out there, and they all sort of come to a head at the same point.
0: One of the the fun things about this is, you know, Jason and crew... They establish all these characters, right? There's like the Lucas character who's been, you know, Ghostwriters protecting. There's the the deputy who's got his hand chewed off, uh, eaten uh-huh. by a cannibal. Uh, there's the nurses and like all these characters. You're like, all right, cool. He's setting up all these characters for like this big storyline and what's going to happen with them. And they just definitely take them off the table. Uh, yes. Like, horrible things happen to them or because of them and around them and it's you're just like wait i thought i thought you were going in this direction but you take
1: it in this direction it's a lot of fun he's like it doesn't go in any of the ways like that you think it's gonna go or it could go
2: like when you meet that deputy you think he's you know he he's looking into this where his boss like he's looking into the crash that happens in the first issue right and his boss is telling him not to bother with it and so we're 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 being given this information about this guy that he's he's seemingly going to be a hero, right? Like this right is like a guy that we're going to follow. Maybe he'll team up with Ghost Rider some way, some shape, or whatever. And then he ends up getting his hand chopped off, and then ends up almost being a villain by the end. Which it's such yeah. like a noir thing to like you set up this character, and then he as somebody who might play a role, but he's he just gets ground in the gears like everybody else.
1: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like Alfred Hitchcock and like things like Psycho, where it's like you you spend the first hour of the movie just like meeting these characters only for them to just like you said get swept off the table and then you're you're in the story now and you're following a different storyline um but it's still connected
2: i love that it's such it's like an such an effective storytelling tool where you like you sweep the legs out from under people but then keep going it gets you so engaged like immediately because you're like wait what
1: well the moment where lucas is talking to that one guy who we later find out is danny catch like and then he turns around and like this entire time we've spent what four three issues like Trying to protect him, save him, try to get all the answers to get to Zadkiel, and then he just kills himself. Yeah. you're just like, okay, like I guess that happened now. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, it's it's all just it's perfectly like just sad and tragic and yeah, uh, exactly what it should be, I guess. And then we get to the
0: next two issues, which are God don't live on Cell Block D, where Tenang Huat comes in, and it's a similar thing where we establish the Deacon and this character, and that last page of issue 24 is this massive impossibly large tattooed man coming out of solitary confinement and he's got all these religious tattoos all over him and uh he just says and tell me who needs to be rebuked the setup for this dude and then how it plays out it's a a way of doing the story being like I'm going to leave nothing on the table. I'm not worried. Like, I have a big setup going on, but I'm not going to like, oh, let's make this character and like save them for for bigger things. No, let's just freaking go, which is exciting. Yeah,
1: like, let's just throw them in the mix. Like, let's go. Also, I think that it helps that we get a new artist in that issue because when we we get to see that final splash page, it looks like nothing else that we've seen. Like, it's not a bad thing, but it, it's very much more like cart. Toony and very like comic booky where it's like oh like this is a comic book things are going to get real weird real wild because when you see him like you said he's like unrealistically large but also just like terrifying yeah Um. but he reminds me a lot of like like a cartoon character almost because he's just so ridiculously
2: just built. The art is perfect for this because it's he's huge and cartoonish and the proportions are like outrageous. But the rendering and his drawing style, there's still like a realism there. So yeah, like a like a Mad Magazine sort of uh, Mm. exaggeration. This was like drawn cartoony and this is a giant guy. it, It would totally pull you out of it. I think, you know, the bit of realism in his style, I think, really, really is what sells it, especially in the next issue when he's. Deacon is fighting all these guys, and he's just like this giant hulking monster to these like little, you know, stick figure people. It looks crazy, but it's like, it just looks so cool.
1: Not to mention his weapons.
2: Yeah, they're like the size of uh, a normal person's body.
0: Tanning Huat comes on for pencils and then colors by Jose Villarubia. And so like the flames have a different tone to them. The textures are there, but they're different. Um, it all evokes different feelings while still feeling cohesive to the overall story that Jason is telling. I think it works exceptionally well. Like Ghost Rider's head has this like white and red. It's it's almost like almost silver shine to it at times. And the flames have this yellow golden hue it just it looks exceptionally cool and um works really really well
1: they're also like a lot more dynamic like they're not as like flowy as they were in the in the past three issues but i think that that works for the story as well because we're we're getting to the point where like ghost rider is at his boiling point it invokes that feeling of him just like being pure rage because like at this point we don't know who's who's controlling what and like you can see, the anger just taking over.
2: Yeah, and Tan does a cool thing with Johnny and Ghost Rider in this issue, where it's he's almost like halfway in between Johnny and Ghost Rider. I just I love the blurring the lines like that. I hope we, we do a little more playing up the the relationship between them. And this is just so cool. Like it's I've never seen anybody else do it uh, this effectively.
1: Also, I've never seen anybody use the Bible as a weapon effectively.
0: That, well, I was going to get into that. Uh, there's the, the fight between Ghost Rider and the Deacon is uh, Ghost Rider, like protecting himself from this giant, massive dude, he holds up this also incredibly large, holy Bible. And Deacon says, how dare you, Blaze? How dare you defend yourself with the holy word? Drop that this instant. The Bible is not a weapon. The Ghost Rider smacks him with it. And he says, <laughs> what the hell you say? It's he just beats so him much with fun. It
2: oh god
1: and the pages are just just... like flying it's amazing brutal it's brutal
2: perfect conclusion
1: but it also kind of adds to like i think it only works because of that like cartoony like realism that we were talking about like if this was any other book and that happened it would be like a okay but the fact that it's just like it's that art style that kind of invokes like that bit of realism you're like actually this makes sense yeah and it's it's less funny and more just like like you said, like brutal.
0: Throughout the course of this, uh, of Jason's run, we get introduced to a lot more ghost writers, including later on, one of my favorites, Knuckles O'Shaughnessy, who does make an appearance once again in the pages of Marvel Comics. He's in Avengers. He's a, yeah.
2: Jason writes him into Avengers. I'm going to have to make my way through the rest of this run now.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, Corey. This was awesome. Yeah. Thanks um, for having me. For people who want to, like, find more of your art or just want to get to know more about you, where should they look or where should they go? Uh,
2: I'm uh, C. Smith Arts on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much where you can find my stuff. I think I have a Behance portfolio site. If you search uh, C. Smith Art, um, you should find it. Awesome.
1: Well, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I
2: appreciate you guys having me. This was a, it was a blast.
0: Big thanks once again to Corey Smith for coming on to talk about Ghost Rider, to talk about his process and and sort of how he got into comics and everything like that. Um, And you know what? Most importantly, for finally convincing Jasmine to read this Ghost Rider series, which I've been
1: talking about for years. Look, 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 It's not that you needed to convince me. It was just, I have a huge to read pile. When it's something that's for a reading club, it immediately gets brought up to the top. So... Thank you for cutting like 30 books out of my reading list before getting to this run. So appreciate it, Corey.
0: All right. That is it for us this week. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk Allison.
1: Jill DeBoff is our director
0: of audio. And Brad Barton is Pull List, senior manager of audio production and development. And Brad is the living, walking epitome, the embodiment of farts are magic. Yes. I'm Ryan.
1: And I'm Jasmine.
0: And this is Marvel
1: your universe.